This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Okay, guys, I want you to picture this. You have five minutes of free time. So you grab your phone, you jump onto your favorite app, you know, whatever, TikTok, Candy Crush, Instagram, the list goes on. Five minutes pass, another 10. And then suddenly you look up and it's like dark outside, three hours have flown by. (laughs) Okay, does this sound familiar? It does to me because the other day I was sitting there on TikTok, literally looking at talking German shepherds and I had gone down the rabbit hole. I mean, 45 minutes gone that I can't get back. But look, the exciting thing is that this has become quite a business. And my next guest is the queen of creating viral and addictive apps. Her latest one is called Hooked. And with more than 100 million users, everyone is quite literally hooked. With all the choices out there, it's really rare for an app entrepreneur to to ever hit number one most downloaded. But Prerna Gupta has done it multiple times. And I'm so psyched because she's my Everyone Talks to Liz guest today to reveal not just her resume of hits, but also her misses on her climb to success. Prerna, welcome to Everyone Talks to Liz. Thank you so much, Liz. It's a pleasure to be here. Do you have more hits than misses or more misses than hits? (laughs) It's definitely more misses than hits, actually. (laughs) That's That's a great thing. And I'm really glad because we have an audience that needs to hear how hard it is to reach a hit, right? I mean, you've been through all of this, correct? Yeah, absolutely. And it's actually, I think, one of the biggest lessons in my career is just understanding how important it is to keep trying. You know, I think in our culture, there's this fear of failure, um, but failure failure is actually a really important part of the journey um, to, to actually becoming successful. And for every time that you launch something that doesn't quite work, uh, you learn something and it makes you much more likely to succeed the next time. People give up. They just give up. And, you know, I loved it. F. Scott Fitzgerald used to wallpaper his room with rejection letters from his manuscripts. I love and, that. Yeah. And so I, I didn't have enough to wallpaper room, thankfully. But, yeah, all my rejection <laughs> letters from my resume tapes when I was first starting out and, you know, Milwaukee and all the Green Bay. No, thank you. You're just not what we're looking for. But you just just continue and put one foot in front of the other. But let's talk a little bit. I, I got to know about how hooked is going. Talk to me about that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, in a lot of ways, the the idea for hooked was inspired by exactly what you were saying that the rabbit hole of social media, and it actually came about, uh, I I co-founded the company with my husband. Uh, We've been, I've been doing startups my entire career, and he and I build all of our companies together. And after our previous company, we were traveling for a while and we were writing a novel for young adults. And as you know, we would were, we were travel and kind of people ask, you know, what are you doing? And we said we were writing this sci-fi fantasy trilogy for teens. And we kept getting the same response, which was like, well, that's cute, but what's the point? Teens don't read anymore, you know, because they're addicted to social media and all they do is spend all their time on their phones. And that made us kind of sad. And we started to just think about, you know, it doesn't make sense that reading is dying. Storytelling is so fundamental to us as humans. 
But of course, if you take kind of a traditional book with, with hundreds of thousands of words in it, and you try and tell someone, hey, get off your phone, read this book, teens aren't going to do that. And so we wondered, is there some way that we can kind of leverage what makes social media so addictive and what makes feed so addictive to actually take pull back some of that time from social media and maybe get teens to spend that time reading fiction instead. And, and that so, was really the genesis of Hooked. Uh, Hooked was born of teenagers. Take me back to your teenage years growing up in Shawnee, Oklahoma. Yes, <laughs> it's, it's a small town in the middle of the country, a population of about 30,000. I think it's been at 30,000 for the past 20 years. Um, and, you know, I, it was... I would say it was a very formative experience for me. I'm the oldest child of immigrants from India growing up in Shawnee, Oklahoma in the 80s and 90s. Um, it was difficult, certainly. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I often think about the things that I learned, the things that I experienced, the hardships that I went through, and actually how important those lessons were for me as I became an entrepreneur. And I think the reason... I credit my time in Oklahoma to, you know, my entrepreneurship is because when I first, you know, when I first entered, you know, adolescence, basically, obviously you have such a strong desire as a teenager to fit in and to be accepted. And when you're so different from your peers and from the people around you, initially the instinct, at least for me, was to try and change myself so that I would be like those around me and so that I would fit in. And I did that for a few years and, you know, I had, it worked a little bit. I mean, you know, I was, I uh, made the cheerleading team and, you know, I, I had, you know, I was hanging out kind of with the popular crowd sometimes and all of those things, but I, something inside me, I felt like was, I felt like the true me was kind of slowly dying. And over time, I started to gain the courage to actually stop pretending and just be who I am. And what I realized was people liked me better that way. And it, it helped me understand that if you have the courage to kind of truly, you know, be different and yeah. stand up for your beliefs and for your unique perspective in the world, you are actually going to be more successful because your differences are your strength. And that's what makes you, gives you something unique to offer. As an entrepreneur, you're always trying to do the unexpected to create something new that someone hasn't already thought about. And it takes a lot of strength and a lot of belief in yourself. A lot of people don't want others to succeed. It's not that it's a conscious decision. It's just, they just don't, not going to believe in you. Like you need to believe in yourself, but you skipped over something here. How did your parents end up in Shawnee, Oklahoma from India? <laughs> uh, good question. They, so, well, my, my dad is a cardiologist, he's a doctor. And when they initially came over, they actually, uh, he got a job in Chicago, which is where I was born. At the time, there was an oversupply of, of cardiologists in Chicago, and there were no cardiologists in Shawnee, Oklahoma. And so he just, you know, he just, found out about this opportunity and, and we just kind of packed up in, in a car and moved and they didn't know, my parents didn't know a lot about America or the difference between a small town in Oklahoma versus a major city. <laughs> and so they just did it, you know, not really knowing what we were in for, but I, I think in a lot of ways, I, you know, that same, 
they were entrepreneurial too, and, and they mm. had the courage to do that. And, and it was wonderful. Well, you know, you talk about who you really are versus what you're trying to be. You started entering beauty pageants, right? And in 1999, you actually won. Tell me about that. And was that part of what you really wanted to do? Or was that part of the, the other side of your personality where you were trying to fit in? It's a really interesting um, moment to think back on. So it was that the beauty pageant was Miss Asia, Oklahoma. And I think it's kind of this. <laughs> wow. <laughs> now you're getting really detailed here. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think it's sort of this like perfect, it's sort of the transition point for me in my life. The, the desire to be a beauty queen was very much, you know, the old me wanting to fit in. Um, but pursuing it in, in this way, Miss Asia, Oklahoma, you know, it was like me starting to kind of come into my own as an Asian American, as an Indian American. It, it was kind of this midpoint for me where I was, uh, you know, expressing the two sides of myself. And, and, and the truth is, I still have both sides. You know, it's, it's not, I'm not just an Indian nerd. I am, I am very much an Indian <laughs> nerd, but I think a part of me will always be, you know, a little bit of a cheerleader from the Midwest. And uh, I like that about myself. I, I love that. I think that's an incredible mosaic uh, from which we jump to your first effort. So you get into Stanford. I mean, the holy grail of amazing California schools, although I am a Berkeley graduate. So, you know, I might beg to differ on that. But <laughs> after college, you make your first stab at a business venture, which was a social media website for young Indians. Tell me about the launching of that, the mistakes you made, and what you learned by falling into pitfalls and manholes, etc. Yeah, well, we made lots and lots of mistakes. Uh, it was, uh, we, we started in summer of 2005. And our goal was to be the Facebook of India. So back in 2005, early 2005, Facebook had just raised its Series A. I think it was like a $12 million Series A round, um, which was considered a, like a massive Series A round for a company like Facebook at the time. And, you know, I was um, just using the site and kind of feeling the, the buzz in Silicon Valley around this thing. And I felt like it just felt to me that this is something that was eventually going to spread around the world. And I was at the time I was working in venture capital in Silicon Valley, but I really, really wanted to be a founder and I wanted to run my own business. And so this felt like an interesting opportunity. So I quit my job. And my uh, husband, although at the time he was my boyfriend, um, but the, the man who would become my husband and I um, ended up uh, moving to India to start this, this website called yari.com. Yari means friendship. And the goal was to be the Facebook of India. Um, and we knew nothing at all about entrepreneurship. We didn't know how to build a website. It was a, a lot harder back then to start, uh, to start a company. Uh, there was no, you know, creating a server, like there was no AWS. So creating a server for your website was like a huge thing. Mm. Um, but we just sort of just, just dove in and started to learn and started to teach ourselves. And, uh, you know, when we first started and we went to India and we told people we're, gonna, we're building this social networking site and this is what it is. And we showed demos and we tried to raise funding. 
we got so many rejections left and right. And everyone said, this is never going to work in India. People here are too conservative. No one's going to put their picture up on a website. Um, and these were kind of the rejections that we were hearing, but we really believed in it. And we kept going and kept going. We did it for four years. Um, we had some success over time. We had 2 million people sign up for the site. We got some press, you know, there was a little bit of traction in the beginning. And then of course, Facebook came into India and became the Facebook of India. <laughs> and we had and no they chance. squished you guys. Well, yes. so what was that like when you had to shut it down after four years of toiling? It was work? one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. Uh, and I think we kept going longer than we probably should have. We just held on to it uh, for so long because it was, we really believed in it. Uh, and also, you know, I had taken a big risk with my career, quitting this very kind of stable career path. I was planning to go to business school and suddenly, you know, here I am four years out of college and I have kind of my resume looks terrible and I have no success to my name, basically. But ultimately, we just I think what happened deep down, you know, we just sort of felt like this wasn't what we wanted to spend our time doing anymore. And then you still had that bug. So let's talk about from that, well, we don't want to call it a failure. It's just the beginning uh, to a huge surprise success. When you started the Songify app, you were still a struggling entrepreneur, not taking a salary. You release this app and what happens? It took off. Basically, it shot to the number one spot in the app store. Uh, and this was an app, it, it was called Songify, it turned speech into song. And it was, I think, the in a lot of ways, the culmination of, uh, of our entrepreneurial dreams, but also the result of all the things that we had learned from our failure in our previous company. It was truly a dream come true. How long did it take to hit number one? I believe it was three days after launch. What? No way. <laughs> so we launched on a Thursday and I think we hit number one on a Saturday. I woke up that morning and we were at number one. Were you doing like, like the Macarena, the happy dance? You must've been so psyched. <laughs> we were super psyched. Um, it was truly a dream come true. Um, and at the same time, it was kind of this crazy surreal feeling because it was just elation, but then all this stress came in as well, because then suddenly we were successful all of a sudden. And mm. there were, you know, journalists reaching out to us and news stations who wanted interviews. And it's such a different feeling when you go from being an underdog who nobody takes seriously to suddenly being somebody that has something to lose and all the pressure is on and all the lights are on you. And so it was like a very... That, that was, I think, another really defining moment for me in my career as a founder, just understanding that success is in a way, you know, you dream about these milestones, but success isn't really about hitting those milestones. It's, it's, it's a never ending journey. Yeah. And it's about learning how to um, sustain, um, you know, progress and, you know, keep growing over time. This is Everyone Talks to Liz, and we'll be right back. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services, marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you, it's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. 
As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. Once you're at the top, uh, people try and swat you down. They want to shake that pedestal and bring you down. But you know what? You guys moved to Silicon Valley. You're living there. And, you know, you really started to, is it true you hated your life after a while? And, and you took a very big and kind of dramatic step. Yes. Well, I guess hated is maybe a strong word, but although I guess if I look back, I was starting to hate my life a little bit. <laughs> and it was, I just felt this sense of disillusionment. Uh, you know, we had, you know, we were living in Silicon Valley again. We, we were living in this fancy house in this fancy neighborhood. Um, and we had kind of made it, you know, given our, you know, what our goals had been. I, my goal when I started as a founder was to be able to retire by the time I was 30. And I achieved that, which was just amazing that I had, you know, it was kind of this crazy dream and crazy goal. And somehow magically we had figured out how to make that happen, but I wasn't happy. And on the contrary, I felt I think less happy than I had felt all of the, the, the 10 years prior to that, you know, that we had been working to make this happen. And I think it was because when, you know, when my husband and I started this, our, our companies, they really came from a place of creativity and a place, a desire to kind of spend our time creating entertainment experiences sure. and bringing joy into people's lives as we did that. But after we sold the company and moved back to Silicon Valley, we started to kind of get caught up in all the status game and in making more and more money and having more titles and more accolades. And in a lot of ways, I think we lost the spirit of what made us successful entrepreneurs to begin with. And so we decided to leave it all behind. Um, we, we quit our jobs. We um, sold all of our things, left the fancy neighborhood and uh, just decided to, to be vagabonds for a while, basically. We, we went and traveled um, all over the world, spent a lot of time on beaches, and just reconnected with our creative side. And ultimately, that was actually what led us, although we, we didn't know it at the time, but that was what led us to doing Hooked. That's amazing, because that's a big step to take. It almost seems like Dare I say, not that you're addicted to entrepreneurial spirit and, and constantly starting something, but to be a pioneer is different from being a settler. And you love that pioneer part. 
but you really didn't feel comfortable in the settler position. So there are two different kinds of people. Uh, and you know, some run companies, but some create companies. And I'm hearing you say that you you are that that person who wants to just create. But now with Hooked, you've really done something with, a, I mean, 100 million people have downloaded this app. And I, I think about what does that lead to for you next? Well, I... I think you put it very beautifully that, you know, I, I am very much, I'm a creator I'm much more than a settler and an explorer. And that creativity is really important to me. And it, it's, it's, it is challenging when, uh, you know, when an app matures or when a business matures, you spend, start to spend the majority of your time just maintaining. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the creativity starts to die. Um, one of the things though, that's been, so cool about Hooked is because we are in the storytelling business, um, we are always creating new things. We have an app and we have a product and a user base that is, you know, coming for this kind of existing experience, but we're always deepening it with, with new stories. And in my job as CEO, I get to spend a lot of time with the stories themselves, with the storytellers, with the writers. I, you know, I give notes on a lot of the, the new stories that are coming through the pipeline for us. I come up with story ideas myself. And so it really allows me to continue to be creative. And for us, our long-term vision has always been to take the best stories uh, that are coming off, off of our platform and actually uh, turn them into movies and TV shows. And so that's the big step that we're taking now. And it's an entirely new initiative and, uh, uh, you know, uh, an opportunity for me to create and learn in, in completely new ways. Are you going Hollywood on us? <laughs> <laughs> well, sort of. <laughs> we're, we're trying to we're trying to rethink how, how Hollywood does some of the things that they do. And in particular, you know, a lot of this did, did come from this, this book that I was writing um, with my husband while we were traveling. It's a sci-fi fantasy trilogy set in Silicon Valley in the future. And it's different from most sci-fi fantasy trilogies that have been successful previously in that the protagonist is an Indian female, not surprisingly. When I started to write it and learn about how, so my, my vision with this was, you know, I, I want to write this book, but I eventually want to turn it into a movie franchise. And when I started to learn about how Hollywood decides which movies to produce, you know, especially from writers that they haven't heard from before, I realized that the process was very um it, there's a lot of bias built into the process inherently, not because the people making the decisions are bad or prejudiced, but because for them to de-risk their decisions, they have to look at what succeeded in the past and decide what to fund in the future based on anything that they've learned from what succeeded yeah. in the past. I, I grew up in, in really LA. I mean, I can only tell you it's a very unoriginal group of people and the beauty of Amazon and, uh, you know, Apple coming into the picture here is that Netflix as well, real creativity has an opportunity to blossom versus, oh, if you don't get a laugh every eight seconds on a broadcast comedy, then forget it, you're never going to make it. And it's just not real, you know, uh, and, and that's what I think provides a great opportunity for newer writers and maybe even the hook writers who are putting together fiction in chat messages and, you know, in six minute opportunities. 
Now they talk about how you're, you're really getting teenagers back into fiction. What's missing there? Uh, I mean, Harry Potter was just such a great thing for me because my kids were just at that age when those books came out where they were starting to get too much into the screen. And every night I would make my son lie down in bed and we would read a chapter and I would make him imagine. You don't get a chance to imagine when you're on a video game or on staring at a screen. But when you're reading the printed page, your muscle that is used for imagination is, is really starting to get put to work. That's exactly, that's exactly right. And that's why fiction is so important. Um, but the, the challenge for, for fiction and for novels in today's kind of social media addicted world is that it, it's, you know, everyone's looking for the, for instant gratification for the quick hits and reading takes time. You have to dedicate yourself to that narrative. You have to get into it um, because you're not going to be able to, you know, grow from that hero's journey without giving that thing some time. And so our insight was it's not that, you know, there's this myth that teenagers are totally ADD and they're not going to spend more than a few seconds, 13 seconds, 15 seconds or 30 seconds on a particular piece of content. We looked at it a little differently. We said that if the content is engaging enough, they will give you more than 30 seconds of their time. They'll give you five minutes. They'll give you 15 minutes. They'll give you 30 minutes. But the challenge is, is that every 15 seconds, they're probably getting distracted by something else. And so you have to re-engage them with every single sentence, basically. And so if you think about a novel in that way, how do you make sure you are re-engaging your reader with every sentence that you put out there? Um, that was kind of our, our mandate with Hooked. And so the solution that we came up with was something that now is called chat fiction. And the idea is that each, each uh, line is deliver delivered one message at a time, like when you're typing in a messenger. Um, the initial stories were all actually chat conversations. It was two people who were in different places texting each other back and forth and a story unfolded through that conversation. But over time, we've broadened our offerings and we actually tell all sorts of stories with people talking in real life and narration and all of this stuff, but we still deliver it one line at a time. And that has allowed us to create stories that are now novel length that teens will come on and spend 30 minutes a day yeah. reading. What, as you look forward to your future, would you say to a younger version of yourself about finding success? Be patient. When you are young, you have this, you know, kind of desire to be successful tomorrow. <laughs> and I, I think that that sense of urgency, of course, is important because it makes you work really hard. But, you know, real success takes time and you have to, it's important to understand that because, you know, you're more likely to, you want to choose a path that you are going to stick with for 10 years, for 20 years, for 30 years, find your real passion because to truly succeed, you know, spectacularly, it is going to take time no matter what you're doing. So it's important to have that patience. Time and falling on your face, right? Absolutely. Purna Gupta. Oh my God, you guys, 
forget the beauty queen part. She's beautiful on the inside with her brains and her brilliance and her stick to itiveness. It's really great to meet you. And I'm so glad you're on Everyone Talks to Liz. Good luck with Hooked. Thanks so much, Liz. My pleasure. I really appreciate it. Prana Gupta, co-founder and CEO of Hooked. Check out the app. And by the way, we don't do fiction on uh, the claim and countdown. We're doing your money in real time, 3 p.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday. You need to take control of your finances because nobody else will. And at least we can be there to help you grow it, preserve it, right? Uh, and at least take care of it. So thanks so much for joining us and we'll see you next time. Hi everybody, it's Brian Kilmeade. I want you to join me weekdays at 9 a.m. East as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and of course, what you think. Listen live or get the podcast now at briankilmeadeshow.com.